Welcome to the Supplement Engineer Podcast. My name is Robert Chinetsky. Rejoining us, the CEO of Caraleaf, Mr. Krishna Rajendran. Krishna, thanks for joining us again. How are you? Great to have be back, Robert. How are you doing? I'm well. Doing, doing very well. Uh, it's been a busy couple of months for you guys since uh, we had our first podcast back in uh, December, January timeframe. Y'all have got a, a patent issued yeah. and y'all had yeah. a new clinical study published. So uh, what's, yeah. those are kind of like the two main jumping point, uh, points I want to jump off from and start there. So which one would you like to tackle first? Uh, we can do the patent first. Okay. Yeah. Walk us through. Yeah. Is, well, getting a new patent issued on an ingredient, we see trademarks all the time in the industry, but getting an actual right. patent approved, filed, and going through all of that is yep. something that's a little bit more rare in our industry. It requires a lot more funding, a lot more science, and, and legwork on the part of the brand. So can you walk yeah. the listeners through all the different machinations and, and you know trials and tribulations that go into that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a long process, as you, as you can imagine. And so... Uh, typically for natural, I mean, for products, right? Plant-based products, you don't really get patents because they're occurring in nature. Mm -hmm. So you truly need to have like a very innovative product, a unique combination blend. And you really need to have hardcore data that can really show that this is a truly innovative product. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that and it's a truly innovative product and not just innovative, but it's an effective product. Because... Anyone can say, oh, innovative, innovative. It's just like a common industry terminology that's thrown around. But right. who actually hardcore scientific data behind products? And so we were able to show that hardcore scientific data and we were able to show that this is a truly innovative product because it's a unique combination of six different herbal extracts. Mm -hmm. And each of these plant-based extracts are standardized to certain active compounds. And again, I can get into the details of it, but the gist of it is that it it's taken about five, six years to develop this product. It's gone through a lot of R&D and development work. But at the end result, we're able to get such an amazing product, an amazing product that can truly make a difference in the lives of people. And we were thrilled with the patent uh, being granted. Mm -hmm. And we see this as a real stamp of, you know, it, it just shows the innovation because patents are so rare in this industry. I think less than... I don't know. I mean, I would say 99.9% .9 of products don't have any patents in this industry because it's mm -hmm. so difficult to get a patent. Right. But so the ones who get it, it, it truly shows that these are industry leading products and that they're going to set a trend for the next five years or 10 years. So truly uh, a trendsetter in the industry. So we're very excited about that. Yeah. And so that's one thing I'd really like to clarify for the consumer because we'll see joint formulas come out and it's just a generic extract of, you know, Andrographis paniculata or Boswellia or any of these other ones that are common ingredients in there. But the yeah. extracts that y'all are using within the Easy Climb formula, those are standardized to a specific uh, fraction or alkaloid or bioactive constituent? Yes, yes. And so each of these six extracts is standardized to a particular active compound. Mm -hmm. And the skill isn't really identifying which active compound is give the, going to give the benefit and which active compounds, these different plant-based extracts can work together synergistically. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about this concept of synergy. What does it mean? Like one, I like to say this, one plus one is greater than two. Right. Because when you combine the two, the combined sum is greater than the sum of the individual parts. And why is that happening? Because natural products, these compounds have synergies which provide enhanced benefits. And identifying these synergies is what is it's a very difficult process. So you need to have like a big team, you need to have put in a lot of R and D work. You mentioned it goes through four or five years to get to this stage. And so that makes it a truly innovative product. Yeah. 
When y'all are going through the patent filing, do y'all need to do an NDI or because these ingredients are already within kind of like the common realm of the supplement industry, do you need, do you not need to file a new NDI application? Can you go straight to the patent application? So when you say NDI, you're referring to the new dietary ingredient, right? Correct. Yeah. So all of the extracts that we use are actually old dietary ingredients. Mm -hmm. And these have been in the food supply in the US. So basically the, the cutoff date is 1994. Mm -hmm. So if your ingredients have been commercially sold in the U.S. prior to 1994, then they consider it as an old dietary ingredient. Mm -hmm. And all of our extracts, what we work with, are all old dietary ingredients. So they have a history of like decades of safety. So we, mm -hmm. so all of that data is available. So, so we don't have to file an NDI because it's not a new dietary ingredient. Mm -hmm. What is the true innovation isn't that we're using a new, new plant, but we're finding effective ways to combine plants that have been commonly used in the food supply for decades and yeah. finding that e effective combination. That's what the patent is all about. Okay. Oh, with the, some of the listeners that may not understand just the, the entire patent filling process or the, the literature that y'all have to go through yeah. as a means to protect yourself and kind of the investments that you've put in both financially and all the hard work of your team over the years, do y'all have to list exactly what you're standardizing for the exact ratios of all these compounds or are you allowed to keep that proprietary to you? No, so in the patent, we have to disclose the exact ratios that we're using. Okay. So we have a patent specific, two sections in the patent. We have a specification section and the claim section. Mm -hmm. the specification section, all the details of the product are given, what we use, how we make the product, all the data. And in the claims, we basically mention what exactly we want protection for. And okay. in that place, we disclose the exact composition. And not just the exact composition, but a range around the exact composition. So... You don't want just your exact composition to be protected, but you want a range around it. So, okay. for example, if I'm using like Boswellia as an like one of the ingredients we're using. So, if I'm using a certain percentage of Boswellia, just take as an example. There's not the exact number, but like say five percent of Boswellia I'm using in the blend. Mm -hmm. I ideally don't just want the five percent to be protected because what if a competitor uses six percent or four percent? So, I kind right. of want a range of protection. So. We have to disclose all the information. Mm -hmm. And so this is available in the public domain. And so once you get a patent, all of this is protected. So nobody can uh, use that. Okay. So does that extend to, say, random company XYZ comes along and they take those six same botanicals that you're using, but they just use generic extracts? Um, do you have protection against that? Can you go after them for kind of infringing on your IP or is it because they're not standardizing anything and they're just going with generics? They're allowed to kind of, I guess, slide under the radar more or less. It's kind of a gray area. That's how I put it. You know, it depends on the specific situations. But the thing, but the one point is if they don't standardize it based on what we say, like because we have standardized it and we have tested it in a human clinical trial. Now, once they start deviating from what was actually tested on the human clinical trial, they start developing a new product, which may not have the, which is not backed by science because mm -hmm. we have a specific clinical study that is done on a specific product. So once somebody starts making changes, you can no longer use the clinical study to support the new product that they've developed because nobody knows what the new product could bring. Correct. Um, okay, so that was the, the first human study that y'all have done. Is there, do y'all have intentions to line up any possible further human studies? I know they're expensive and they take a considerable amount of time to get underway, but do y'all have plans to get a few more under the works? Yes, yes. So that's, so that's basically our company strategy. Uh, we, 
you know, we have a product for joint health, it's Zizicline, CaraHeart, which is for heart health, and mm -hmm. CaraLive for liver health. Three products which we're offering for sale now, but every year, our goal is to do three new human clinical studies for three new health areas. And so our goal is in the next three to four years, we want to have a portfolio of about 15 to 18 products, which mm -hmm. pretty much cover every single health area that's of significance. So all of these health areas, all clinically studied products, proven for safety and efficacy, all these products are going to have patents behind them, patents filed, hopefully approved. Mm -hmm. And so it's truly innovative products. We're protecting our invention and we're truly developing products that are setting the standard in the industry because we are looking at it. We want to be the company that's setting the standard, right? We are this company who's thinking like five years ahead. Mm -hmm. Where's the industry going? Right now, we see that the industry is moving more towards science-based products, human clinical studies, safety and toxicity, because even consumers are getting very interested. They're like, mm -hmm. we don't just want some random product which has no science behind it. We want an actual product with good science, especially with the pandemic and everything that's happened. Everyone's asking questions now, you know, even like a common, just a random, you know, consumers like, oh, let me dive into the clinical data. What does this indicate? So mm -hmm. it's... It's amazing to see because people are taking more control of the health, which is what you want. Absolutely. You don't want to be like a passive you know, person with respect to your health. You want to take an active interest in it. Mm -hmm. And so we see that the industry is going to move more towards clinical studies. Hopefully in the next 10 years, we get some regulation that's passed in the industry, which kind of mandates it because mm -hmm. that's truly going to make a difference in the industry. That's going to win a lot of, lot of consumers right now who are hesitant about supplements they're going to see that new regulation comes in and, and it's going to bring a whole new wave of consumers into this market. Yeah. That's before we pivot to Carhartt, I wanted to, to go on, uh, you mentioned about regulation. So mm -hmm. there's, there is a set of regulations that are, the FDA has in place there. There's, I always struggle with this and I, I like to ask different brand owners, company owners, you know, ingredient yeah. house owners like you're such as yourself. Is it a matter of we need more regulation or do we need more enforcement of the regulations that are currently on the docket? Or is it kind of a, a combination to where we might need one or two other little pieces of oversight and then just more people to kind of do have more, uh, get their fingers into the, the stew there? Yeah, that's an excellent question because having regulation and enforcement are two different things, right? So mm -hmm. I think the first step is to have the regulation because I think, you know, I'd like to think that companies genuinely want to do good, you know, I would say yeah. like most companies genuinely want to do good. There are some companies who just want to, you know, cut corners fine. We don't even want to discuss them. But <laughs> I feel like generally most companies want to do good. And I think just having the regulation in place will make that first difference in the industry. Mm -hmm. I think enforcement is a whole new different ball game that depends on how much, how, you know, it's more complex. But at least if we have the regulation in place, I think the companies who want to do good, which I'd like to think most of the companies, mm -hmm they'll take the onus. Okay, you know, we have a regulation in place, so let's follow that. Let's do that. Let's do it, the you know, the right way. And so I think having it in the first place is the most important step. Enforcement, of course, will come eventually. Mm -hmm. But I think most companies do want to do good in the industry. And I think, I think that's the onus, right? Like all these companies in the herbal supplement space, like I think in one way, we're competing against each other for sales, but I think we're also... In a way, we're part of a team because we want if the if more consumers are receptive towards herbal supplements, the industry as a whole will go big. So the pie becomes bigger. Agreed. So even if we split the pie up in different ways, once the pie becomes bigger, everyone gets a larger share. I mean, more amount. So 
I think the industry as a whole will benefit if there's, you know, this regulation that comes in. Whether the regulation actually comes in, you know, that's a totally different thing because there's so many, I mean, you know, like, you know, there's so many competing interests, so that's always a yeah. challenge. But, you know, hopefully one day it does come in. Agreed. Yeah, I always find that is you, you're referencing something like the abundance mentality where you talk to some yeah. other brand owners, like I guess this maybe applies more to the sports nutrition demographic of the, the like that, that niche of supplements is that, oh, these are my consumers. I got to have them all. I don't want to share yeah. them with the other people out there. But it's if you realize there's there's billions of people on the planet and like supplements are a niche of that. And if you're going to like fight over the small little thing, it's, it's not it's the wrong it's mindset to have with all this. Like you make a good product. It's going to force your competitors to make a better product. The consumers are going to continue to demand more. And it's just going to, you know, it's going to raise everybody up to where we get a higher level across the industry. And that'll help flush out, you know, some of the nefarious characters that we have. Exactly. That's exactly the point. Yeah. Um, With the forthcoming easy climb trials that you're going to be working on over the couple of years, do you foresee maybe testing it against some of kind of like the, the tried and true quote unquote uh, joint supplements out there, like testing easy climb versus like, you know, 1500 milligrams each of glucosamine and conjoint or some like the stuff that we see all the time to say, Hey, this, our blend is, you know, if not matching this, it's actually far superior to what you've been using for the past 20 years kind of thing. Yeah. So right now in the clinical trial, we typically compare it against the placebo. Right. Uh, In the future, would we be open to start? Uh, We kind of go based on what our customers want. So our customers Mm -hmm. are typically finished product manufacturers and we go based on what they, uh, because they understand the consumer. They know what kind of studies need to be done Mm -hmm. to get certain claims which they can market to the consumer. So we go based on what our customers want. And they mostly look at the data just against the placebo mm-hmm. because there's so many different products, right? You spoke about glucosamine, right. there's glucosamine, chondritin, uh, MSM, collagen, and then you have individual uh, ingredients like turmeric or boswellia. You have just so many things, right? So, mm-hmm. so difficult to kind of compare like each thing to our product. So I think the more effective way is to just compare it against the placebo to give the customer all the data and then the customer decides, okay, do they want to do another clinical study to compare certain products? And, you know, sometimes there's also ways in which you can combine the products. Like for example, there's one customer uh, who we're working with right now. So they have a glucosamine product for joint health Mm -hmm. and they have like an established customer base who's, who understands glucosamine. And they kind of used to glucosamine, so they don't want to alienate that customer base by just getting rid of glucosamine and putting a new product. Right. So they want to combine glucosamine with our product. Okay. For nothing else apart from just not making their consumers feel uncomfortable, right? The science basically says they should just get rid of glucosamine, put our product. They know that. Yeah. But there's a whole consumer perception angle, right? You don't want to scare consumers like, oh, where's my glucosamine? You know, I'm so used <laughs> to this. I don't want to change. Even if it's not effective, I'm used to it. I don't want to change. So Agreed. there are ways to combine these products also. So lots of different ways you can uh, look at the situation. Yeah. As, as a brand owner, do you think that's something we should actively work to combat is try to, I guess clear up the narrative or the information that's getting out to the consumer and say, Hey, there are superior ingredients out there because there's like in the, in the sports nutrition space, people still believe like arginine and glutamine are these amino acids that are going to help improve, you know, muscle recovery, nitric oxide production, all this other stuff. When, and they've been replaced for almost a decade now by superior ingredients, but mm-hmm. still 
there's still that those diehards that love to see these ingredients <laughs> yeah. in their products. And it's the same thing like glucosamine and chondroitin. These are going to be like the ride or die ingredients that are going to take joint health off the cliff. And no matter what else we come in here, it doesn't matter if you've shown them to be vastly inferior to the new uh, ingredients or combinations of ingredients that are coming out. So yeah. is it you just say, well, it's not doing anything bad and it's not that expensive. So we can put it in there. You know, that's fine. But we've also got this other really awesome stuff and then that's going to help too. So that's something I struggle with at one time. So I'm just curious where, where brand owners, heads or spaces are in that avenue as well. Yeah, like as a brand owner, we focus on the science, right? But like mm -hmm. science is one aspect of it. Like you can have amazing science, but if the consumer is very used to one product, how do you get them to switch, right? That's a big right. challenge. You can do all the scientific studies in the world, but if you can't convince them to do it, then there's no point. And so what, so how do we actually kind of, let I me mean like, but we, we truly be, believe in the science behind our products. And what we try to do is, even though we are not a consumer brand, you know, we sell to, we're an ingredient company, we sell to finished product manufacturers. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of outreach and education to consumers. Right. Like, you know, we're on so many different, we're featured on so many different media, trade journals, everything where we're giving like general advice to, you know, just people who are interested in health related uh, topics. Mm -hmm. Now, why do we do that? Because we want to be seen as an industry because a lot of this industry is based on trust. Like even though we're not selling directly to consumers, if a consumer hears about us and they know that, okay, we've, you know, we've spoken in the media, they have that awareness about us, they're more likely to give it a go and more likely to be open to switching to something different mm -hmm. as opposed to like a totally unknown ingredient company who do, they don't know anything about, who's not even based in the US, based in some other country, like has nothing to do. They're like, we don't know anything about them, at least. So you want to build trust and you build trust through through genuinely trying to educate them, provide useful information. Like we do a lot of like articles where we're not really trying to pitch our products or anything. We're more like we are interested in educating the consumer, mm -hmm. just providing useful information, whether you take our products or whether you take a competitor's products. You know, we're not really bothered in that particular aspect right? because we want to educate not just consumers who are interested in health right now, but also consumers who are on the fence. And I spoke of this concept of expanding the pie. Mm -hmm. There's so many consumers out there who are, who are kind of, who are not taking any products right now, who are like, oh, I want to try supplements, but I'm not sure. It's not regulated by the FDA. I don't know if it's safe. There's so many questions. Yeah. So if we can be that industry leading voice showing trust, if we can get them to at least try it out. No we make the pie so much bigger. And that's why I feel like companies should, in some sense, work together also to make the pie bigger and build trust. Because if there's, the issue is like, if one company in this industry does something crazy, the whole industry suffers from it. Absolutely. And so we don't want that. We, you know, to your point, we just want to flush out these other companies who are just doing some nefarious stuff. So we, the companies that stand, you know, remain are the truly science-based companies who are working together in one sense yeah. to make the pie bigger. Yeah. That was one thing I you, you mentioned a few minutes back that I actually, I, I really wish more companies did that came out with these new novel ingredients or these novel collections of ingredients. You said you're planning to do more studies as the years go by on these same ingredients where you see like some new citrus peel extract that was shown to, you know, improve oxygen kinetics or something like that. And we never hear from it again. They, they rely on this one study and you never, mm -hmm. you never hear from it again. And I just, 
that that's not enough for me to be like a, a, yeah. a, a believer in that ingredient or recommend it to other brands that I might work with and say, Hey, let's, let's try this in your products. I just, I need to see a body of evidence. And so you guys, there's a couple of other people that are putting out some really quality extracts and they, they're backed by, you know, five, 10, 15, if the ingredients been around long enough, 15 or 20 studies. And I wish more of these ingredient houses like you guys are good faith actors and they're willing to really yeah. invest. And I know it's expensive and time consuming and all that, but if we want to raise the overall profile of the industry, it's, it's going to take that kind of work. Exactly. Exactly. And I think there's so much of this is like, yeah, just having those good intentions and trying to do, uh, you know, trying to do your best. We're not saying we're perfect. No company is perfect, but at least try your best, right? Do the best you can given your resources and, you know, whatever you resources you have available. And, yeah, so that's very important. And I, I think for one more aspect which just came to my mind is like consumers, right? They just hate it when consu- when companies go so deep into the science that they don't present the information to them in an easy and easy to understand manner. Correct. And that's something which we want to change as well. Like, you know, we do hardcore scientific evidence, which is fine for a technical audience. But we also want to be able to present the information in a, in a crisp way so that anyone can understand, you know, making it more accessible for a consumer to understand. Right. That's why, like, one of the things I tell my team is also, like, we're doing hardcore scientific evidence. We have the scientific data. But also, let's make the information, like, on our website, let's make it more easy to understand, you know. it's right. Because when you understand something, you tend to trust it more and you appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. If somebody just talks all technical stuff without really trying to relate to to you then you're like oh i don't know this This is some weird just technical stuff they're just making up some stuff which i don't even understand so i think the industry really should also try to make it easy make the information easy and accessible to consumers because i think some companies get caught up in this thing that let's make it as complex as possible so that nobody can understand what we do and we seem very sophisticated But I, but I feel like that's not the right approach. I feel like you're losing a lot of people by not making it more relatable to them. Now, yeah. the average consumer doesn't need to know scientific stuff. They're not interested in the you know, crazy scientific details, but yeah. they want to know some basic information from that. And so I feel like as an industry as a whole, we need to be better at communicating information in a transparent, easy to understand manner without trying too hard to be very sophisticated to, you know, and believing that that generates interest. Yeah, I wonder if if, if those uh, the people to which you might be referring are like they want to be like this guru or this arbiter of knowledge that I have it all and I'm going to be so magnanimous and bestow it down to you. And just that's that's not the way. Like the guy the guy that's walking in to get the joint health supplement is my back going to stop hurting? Is my knees going are my knees going to feel better <laughs> exactly. if I'm walking uphill? I mean, that, that's all they care about. They don't care about the inflammatory cytokines that are you know exactly right exactly stuff. yeah that stuff is important. But like he yeah he wants to know. Apart from that stuff, he wants to know, okay, simple, tell me, like, you know, in this clinical study, how did it impact, like, joint, you know, does it make my joint movement easier? He wants to know the basic stuff also. So I think it's really important to have that. Then, like, you know, it's like when I'm reading articles about an in, about some totally different industry, which is not connected to mine. So I'm kind of like, you know, an average person over there where I don't have special knowledge or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I read a blog where it's just very technical or an article which is very technical, I'm just like, oh, okay, I don't know. It's just, it's not worth my time. Yeah. And I like simplicity and clarity. Like, you know, people like simple, clear products. And exactly. when you're not trying to hide something, you're like, this is the information. You like it, you take it. If you don't want to take it, don't take it. That's fine. 
but we want to be clear and transparent and communicate it in an authentic, simple way. Correct. When you're dealing with something that has as much, I guess, clinical and pharmaceutical research as joint health does, how do y'all um, carefully tread around the whole structure function claims and not positing the new ingredients into like that pharmaceutical drug category? How do y'all go about structuring that or marketing the ingredient, I guess? Yeah, so we basically present the results in the clinical study, you know, whatever the results were, we have the scientific paper in a, in a peer-reviewed scientific journal. Mm -hmm. And honestly speaking also, right, like these products are not meant to cure any disease or, you know, disorder or something like that, because these are supplements, you know, like if somebody has a serious condition which requires urgent attention, the supplement is never going to help. And Right. Like, you know, I'm totally fine with saying that because it's like, that's the truth. Now, a supplement helps you, like, it makes your day-to-day a -day little bit easier. It maybe helps you with a little bit more mobility. So it's more of a gradual, you know, helping you build that strength. It's not mm -hmm. going to, if you're in a dramatic situation, you probably have to take like a pharmaceutical product. You cannot take supplements. Yeah. And so that's kind of what we're positioning is we we're not looking, our product is not for people in, in, you know, in a crazy situation or in a very serious situation. It's for people who are already healthy, just kind of want to take some to continue to maintain that strength mm -hmm. and who continue to build that strength through proper nutrition as opposed to trying to cure a problem or something like that. Yeah. And so we believe like if you provide good nutrition to the body, the body can continue to remain strong for a longer period of time instead of mm -hmm. just breaking down. And that's our approach, you know, good nutrition, good science, but not overstretching it to the point. Like, I mean, you see so many of these companies make these claims of like, oh, it cures this, it cures that and all these things, which, which are not true, but they do it because they try to trap like gullible consumers. Correct. And we don't want to be that. We're like, we know our place where we are. We know what we are, but we also know what we are absolutely not. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Very, very well put. Uh, let's transition over to the newest product y'all have, the new study that came out on Carhartt. And so it's a blend of six ingredients of Google, garlic, green tea, fenugreek, ginger, and cinnamon. Um, mm -hmm. It's an interesting, interesting array of ingredients. Like for the, the people that listen to this podcast, they've known that they tend to be kind of the, I would say 18 to 35 year olds, more interested in kind of the sports nutrition realm of stuff we do a fair bit of uh general health and re regular supplements and nootropics as well but they're going to recognize the the fenugreek more in line with you know hormone support stress reduction natural testosterone boosters and all of that stuff so mm -hmm. i guess how did you and your team come up like figure out these six ingredients were the the secret sauce for cardiovascular support yeah and that's uh, it, it's a very good question because that talks a little bit about like our R and D pipeline in terms of how we work, right? Mm -hmm. Because we we look at it these six ingredients. You know, it's it's probably taken about like three to four years to develop this product. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, because we are we initially look at a particular health area. Okay, let's take like cholesterol support. Okay, what are the common ingredients that I use? So we start with a large base of products. And then we yeah. see what product has worked well, what product has not worked well. We have uh, different scientific experts in our team, so they give us a lot of useful insight. Um, we, you know, we have uh, NDs in our team who prescribe like supplements to their uh, to their patients. So mm -hmm. 
they give us useful feedback as well. So we take all of this information to identify which products could be good, which products could not be, which may not work. And then we look at the literature research because literature research can provide a lot of useful information. Mm -hmm. And then it's also the experience of our team, like the herbal scientists in our team. You know, we have more than 30, 40 years experience in the team. So it's really, um, you know, like for example, like we offer a range of more than like 100 different single extracts. And so because we're so strong in these single extracts across 25 years, we've seen which extracts work well in combination. Like, you know, in the past, some customer wanted to combine a couple of extracts, so we have that data. So it's really about putting all these different pieces together to determine one particular composition. Then you're doing basic studies because you don't know what's the exact combination. So you want to select four or five different combinations and do some initial basic studies to see which has higher efficacy. Mm -hmm. And then from that, you select one, one candidate and then put that to the cl human clinical trial. So all of this process, like I'm, the way I'm saying it, it sounds a lot more simple than it actually is. But it's a process that takes about three, four years, a lot of trial and error. Yeah. And so that's how we develop these products. And sometimes like, you know, just because a product goes to a human clinical trial doesn't mean it always shows good results. Like we've right. had products that go to a human clinical trial, which is not shown good results, right? Which right. wasn't shown to be more effective than the placebo. So what do you do? You spend so much of time, money and resources into that and it doesn't work. What can you do? If it doesn't show data, it doesn't have good evidence, you have to you know, you, you can't use that product. Right. So the products that we do bring out in the market are products which have shown ex excellent results. And so we're very excited about this, uh, you know, the new Karahat product. It's mm -hmm. a unique combination of extracts. And I think that's where it makes a difference, right? Because if we're using the same one or two ingredients which people have been companies have been using for so many decades now, you're not going to get those results. You want right. to use common ingredients, but you want to find effective ways to combine them. Because if there was like a standard product in the market, like, you know, there would be like one standard supplement brand in the market, supplement brand in the market, which everyone can recognize. Yeah. But I assure you, if you go ask 10 different consumers, which is the biggest herbal supplement brand, you'll probably get 10 different answers. Absolutely. So that kind of shows that there's a big gap in this industry. Nobody knows. And it's a very fragmented industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very well put. Uh, and just to recap for the listeners, I'll pull up the study so they can see what all exactly uh, Hart was shown to do. Uh, a 22-point reduction in total cholesterol compared to 11-point reduction for placebo. Two-point increase in HDL, which is the good cholesterol. 13-point reduction in LDL, which is the bad cholesterol. 37-point reduction in triglycerides, which is pretty awesome, and no reduction in the placebo group. VLDL, 7-point reduction compared to no reduction in the placebo group. And total LHDL, HDL cholesterol ratio is a 0.7-point reduction compared to a negligible reduction in the placebo group. Very, very good. 1,000-milligram dose of these six ingredients that we just mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, and that was published in the International Journal of Basic and Clinical Pharmacology, which is open for anybody else to see if they want to. And they can download the study and go through it themselves. So, and 100 patients, which again, that's, we, we talked about the, how serious y'all are about doing research. A lot of these individual ingredients, when they come out, they're 
10, 20, maybe exactly. 30 on offhand. And you got a guy, you guys got a hundred subjects here to go for a four month trial. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. Typically like what we see, like other companies in the industry, they, they do like 10, 15 patients, maybe like a one month study. Yeah. It's like, it's not as effective and you know, they do. So we do also what is called the gold standard in the industry, which is a randomized double blind parallel uh, placebo control study. Yeah. So it's randomized. So it, it's, it's not, we're not selectively selecting some group of population. It's a random sample. It's a closed label study. So mm -hmm. the patient doesn't know what product they're getting. And it's also compared to a placebo group because there is a placebo effect to most products, you know, that's just known in scientific literature. And so a lot of companies, they don't do a placebo group. So it seems like their products are even more effective than it actually is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this was, a. Uh, I, I went through it when you, uh, y'all had first contacted me after the study became public. I went through and dove through it. Um, it was interesting to see just a quality study. Cause like I had mentioned before, you will get these little eight person studies, 12 person studies, and it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. So it's, it's comforting to see like there's actually quality research being carried out by some of the ingredient houses out there. Um, so that gives me hope for the industry. Yeah. I hope is like other companies also start doing it so that the industry as a whole can benefit. You know? I wish they would. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, and you know, when y'all are doing these research studies, do y'all have the same research firm that y'all always go through like a contract research organization? Or do you all have your own in-house team or do you kind of go out to different universities or does it really depend on the ingredient and availability and whatnot? So we do a combination, basically. It's not one, just one way of doing it. Typically, like we have a scientific team which works uh, with, the, uh, with the clinical research organization. The CROs where they do the study, they recruit the patients, they do all of this. But in terms of clinical trial protocol design, our scientific team takes an active role in that and as I mentioned to you, like uh, last time, we have like medical doctors, we have naturopathic doctors, so we have herbal scientists, we have a big scientific team that develops these uh, protocols. And for each specific health area, we have an expert. So we have, for a sleep product that we're doing now, we have a somnologist who's an MD somnologist. For immunity product, which is currently in the clinical trial, we have a board certified immunologist. So really, subject specific experts who are you know, giving us excellent advice into how to develop the clinical trial. Interesting. Is there, um, so I've got some people in my family that are involved in the medical field. My sister's a pharmacist. My mom was a, a cardiac rehab nurse and two of my cousins are nurses. And there's, there's this impasse between like me, like the wild west supplement guy and them like the, the straight laced medical professionals, you know, and they kind of see me playing with my supplements and I'm, you know, they're just like, all right, go, go play with your stuff over there. And so in house at, at Caraleaf, you've got, you know, board certified MDs, PhDs, and then you have the, the naturopaths and the people, you know, practicing in Eastern medicine. Is there any like friction or do they, do they pretty, can they play together in the sandbox pretty well? Yeah. So that's always, that's true. I mean, surprisingly, it's, uh, the way I like to think about it is like, you, you know, disagreements are not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. They can help you see things in a new light, which you've not seen before. So right. I, we actually welcome that because, and that's actually like an advantage, I would see it because mm -hmm. in our company, we actually have like herbal scientists, naturopaths and MDs. So it's a very healthy debate and discussion about what to do, what not to do. 
Whereas I think some of the other ingredient houses, they're too one-dimensional. They just have one level of expertise. So they don't look at the problem from multiple different angles. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, like strangely, a lot of these disagreements actually lead to some pretty useful insights. So, you know, it's like my role in the middle, coordinating all these teams, I actively encourage them to disagree with each other because we want those ideas to come out. You know, if we're not doing things in a proper way, we want to know, okay, what can we do that's better? And we're great. I mean, it's a great team, like very open to feedback, very like open. And, and I like to promote that kind of a culture in my team, which is just say what's on your mind. Doesn't matter if somebody is 20 years more experienced than you or nothing. Just say what's on your mind, like open, honest, good communication, you know? Yeah. The open, open dialogue will get generate more ideas. It'll self, you know, it'll kind of, I guess, self-regulate and get rid of the bad ideas or they'll just exactly. like, you can dive into them deeper and you can find where those maybe the weak links in that, that mindset or that thought, that line of thinking goes. And then you come to a, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier with the supplement industry, if everybody's pushing better products and you're not, you have this, you know, scarcity mindset, if everybody's pushing yeah. to do the best possible, you filter yeah. out the bad and you'll come up with a collectively better thing all around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last time we had touched on your background, your master's was in engineering and that was kind of, and we discussed how that had um, helped you navigate through some of the pitfalls and follies that the current supply chain issues were, were dealing with. Have y'all seen any uh, alleviation in how bad the supply chain is getting? And I know you said the measures y'all had taken, y'all had kind of been able to circumvent that to a certain extent, but on, I guess on a global scale, have you seen that loosening up any? Uh, to some extent, but I would still say it's not it's it's not as uh, it's not as back to normal as it was pre pandemic. It's mm -hmm. still which is which is a strange thing, right? It's been two years, and you would think like yeah. we would have figured out everything, but it's just the logistics are so complex, yeah. and like even things like when we see like uh, you know freight rates, right? When you're trying to get some product from India to the U.S. or different different countries, when you're transporting it through the airline. The freight rates are still at an all-time high, and right. they don't seem to be down at all because there's so many, there's such a big supply sh shortage of like freight, and there's so many delays. So it's it's like, I mean, logistics planning. It's like like five years ago when people used to talk talk about logistics and supply chain, they were like, oh, whatever, we'll figure it out. But after the pandemic, it's become like the most hot button issue. It's like, wow, we need to have a team. You need to be thinking three, four years ahead, like. Yeah supply chain resiliency and risk and so many new things have come up and luckily we have a team that's experienced in that like and so you know it's one of the few things which our customers really appreciate about one of the things that customers really appreciate about us is our expertise in the supply chain mm -hmm. because you can be a company that develops innovative products but if you can't get the product to your customer when they need it there's news your customer has like shortages and it's just going to get so much of an issue. So just managing inventory is such a big uh, task right now. Mm -hmm. And so we luckily we have a team that's very experienced in this. And, and, and I think it's all about relationships. You know, I spoke about, okay. we're all about relationships with our customers, with our suppliers, like even with our freight forwarders, right? Like airlines, we have excellent yeah. relationships that have been built over a period of time. So, we get priority, we get preference on certain routes and because we give them a high volume of business. And so that's very important for our customers as well because they don't want to be like struggling, waiting for products to come when their, when their consumers are asking for the product. 
Because once a consumer switches out of a brand, you're going to have to work twice as hard to get them back. So you don't okay. want to even give them the option to switch. Yeah. I mean, it's like a bad restaurant. You can go there a bunch of times and you have great service. The one time you go and you have bad service or there's a yeah. fire <laughs> hair in your food, it'll take you six months before yeah. you ever go back there. There's no chance. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like that. Uh, shifting the forecast to the rest of 2022. Mm-hmm. You guys, you mentioned two of the formulas already in the sleep formula and the immune formula. Mm-hmm. There's also the Caraboost, uh, the energy enhancing formula. Is there anything you can give us hints on about these three ingredients or are they, are they kind of off, off the table right now because they're in clinical trials? I can give you some basic information. I can't talk much about them, okay. but basically they're in clinical trials right now and all three products are again focused on our the one key area where we're very strong, which is in combination blends, mm-hmm. where we've identified the synergy that exists between different products. And now we're testing them to see if they're actually effective or not. And again, all of these products, as I mentioned, it takes about three, four years in research and development before we come up with this ideal blend. Mm-hmm. And we're very excited by this, uh, by these three health areas. I mean, in particular, like the, you know, everyone talks about like the pandemic and immune, just immune supplements in general being like yep. very focused. People want products to have good immune health. But one area which is kind of related to that is also sleep and relaxation, Absolutely. which has kind of been ignored, I would say, with all this focus on immunity. Yep. But we are very excited about that product because I think it's, you know, sleep is central to pretty much all of our fu- bodily functions, including immunity. And so... So many people, even before the pandemic, were suffering from sleep. And, you know, during the pandemic, it's just gotten worse. So I think any product that can help promote good sleep is, you know, would be very welcome by a lot of consumers. So we are very excited about that particular product. Yeah. And as before, they're probably all in line with the, they're going to be herbal extracts, correct? We're not, yes. it's not going to be, um, yeah, I was going to say something like we, melatonin is the, the, conventional that uh sleep supplement that we see in everything right. it's not necessarily a uh an herbal extract it's a hormone right um and you could probably synthesize it from some botanical source i would imagine if you did some kind of extraction or you distilled it down from like 5 htp or tryptophan or something like that yep. since it's a downstream metabolite but yeah but we don't use any of that yeah so right. we don't use like i mean the the interesting thing about melatonin is it's like in the U.S., it's a it's a OTC product. Yeah, but in Europe, in quite a few countries, it's not an OTC <laughs> product, which is which makes you wonder, right? Like that, that's oh, yeah. crazy. Like I mean, to, yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple of like there used to be another uh, sleep aid, Phenibit, which mm-hmm. it was a, a pharmaceutical in Russia, and it's basically a synthetic form of GABA that could cross the blood brain barrier. And I mean, it. I don't know if you've wow. ever used it before, but man, you take mm-hmm. a gram of that stuff, it knocks you out. Oh my um, gosh. But yeah, that it's a prescription in Russia. And just until recently, you could find it in a few sleep aids here. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty much gone the way of the dinosaurs now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Caravish. We've got Caracert coming, Caracog, and digestion support. This, the Caracog and the mm-hmm. Caraboost are, are two that are, are really piquing my interest just because, uh, like, in, within the, the whole sphere of, supplements like uh yeah. nootropics and cognitive yeah. health are, are kind of like my my baby so i'm, I'm very oh, excited okay. to see these when they come out 
Oh yeah, we'll definitely like yeah share the results of the study when we get it. Yeah, and these twenty twenty three probably these coming soon. Twenty twenty three, yeah, yeah. Okay. So our approach is basically to do three new products every year. But sometimes we have like a customer reaches out to us and says, "Hey, you know, we have this one particular health area that that you don't have listed right now, but we want to focus on." Yeah. And uh, we had one customer who reached out to us who wanted to do a um, a hair health product to support mm-hmm. good uh, hair growth, and that's an interesting area which we were not thinking of. But because this customer yeah. came to us, we were like, "Okay, maybe we should." That's an area worth exploring. So. We're in discussions with them now to see if that's something we can do for them. Interesting. Um, one thing, just I just thought of something. Oh, mm-hmm. with CaraCirc, that's coming with blood circulation, and then you already have Cara Heart. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one's going to be circulation, one's heart health, but mm-hmm. they're kind of intertwined because they're all part of the the cardio, you know, cardiovascular system. Do you see those competing mm-hmm. at all, or could they be? Um, I guess from like the consumer standpoint, or supplement brands that want to incorporate those ingredients into your products. Do you see those competing for each other? Or can they be, I guess, additive or, or complementary to a certain extent? I would say they're complementary. Like the Cara Circ is more of just general blood circulation, mm-hmm. whereas the Cara Heart is more focused on cholesterol and triglyceride support and management. Okay. So it's it's related. So I kind of see it complementary, but, but yeah, not really competing with each other. Okay, great. Awesome, Krishna. Is uh before I let you go, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we haven't gotten to around uh this interview? No, nothing. I think we've covered. Yeah, we've covered a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think we okay. covered everything. Great. Well, I very much appreciate your time. I uh, I'm excited to see the uh, new ingredients that you got coming up. And uh, as soon as you get those results, please send them my way, and uh, we'll Definitely. get you back on the show to discuss everything in detail. Um, do you want to list any points of contact for people can reach out to you or manufacturers or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So we, it would be great if uh, people who are interested to reach out to us at www.caraleaf.com. That's our main website. You can also feel free to send us an email at sales at caraleaf.com. That's K-A-R-A-L-L-I-E-F.com. We're always open to like having discussions. Whether that discussions lead to something doesn't matter. But if you have an interesting idea or are interested in any of our products, definitely feel free to reach out to us. Awesome, Krishna. I'll keep links to all that in the show notes. And I very much appreciate your time again. And uh, thank you and have a great week. Thank you so much, Robert. Great talking to you.